First time I heard the demo, I knew it was going to be good. I don't know if that sounds arrogant or whatever, but within three seconds of hearing it, I, I had a, a physical kind of excitement hit me that because I knew no matter what, this was going to be better than the average tune. And Jake's demo, you know, the, the parts were all there. So it didn't seem like it was going to be laborious. It just was... Then it became, how is it going to get there? I know it's going to get there, but what's it going to sound like? There's something to be said about just three chords and the truth. If you can make a simple song and still make it seem original... Is probably one of the harder things to do right now in the in the in the year 2022. It's it's like man, every great pop song has been done in some fa- way or fashion. When you think about how many, there's only so many ways you can play so many chords, you know. And it seems like every tempo and every combination of chord sequence has, has been done in some way. But just trying to keep it simple was a little bit of the idea to this record and having more of an atmospheric layering to the instrumental approach. Um, less less like noty, less progressive rock element in this record. It's like when, when Genesis went like, you know, Misunderstanding and, and some of those other, when they went kind of poppy, everyone was like, oh no, they went poppy. But it's like, those are some of the most memorable songs, you know, because of that. So the first time I saw it, the working title, before I even heard it, my first thought was, okay, is, is this going to sound like Wings, Paul McCartney Wings? Is it called New Wings because it has this uplifting, positive vibe to it? I kind of, you know, that's a question for Jake. I kind of think a little of both. Uh, especially the bass line, because it's boom, 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 which kind of is like a McCartney kind of vibe, which I think we probably talked about him and his influence before, but that was my first impression before even hearing it, and then when I heard it, it was like, ooh, it's going to be good. The vibe is, is almost so infectious to me that don't want it to end. We definitely made it a conscious, this is going to be a studio fade song. All those little changes, maybe they're adding up. I'll try to explain it to you, maybe I've just begun. When you're always saying, you're not alone, no, you're not Welcome back to Talking Circles, a podcast about Umphreys McGee's 2022 album, Asking for a Friend. In this episode, we're focusing on the fifth single from the record, New Wings. A 
collaborative effort between songwriter and guitarists Jake Sinninger and Brendan Bayless. We'll be diving into the song's origins, their collaborative process, and the anticipation of playing New Wings in a live setting. So I was feeling that like in the car. Sometimes when I drive from South Bend up to Niles, yeah, some, something starts to formulate on the drive up. I make sure I'm not listening to anything else. It's just like a silent car drive. And then, and then in my brain, I'm starting to hear a drum beat. And then maybe that piano line was, was next. That which is kind of like a, like church bells or something. Like a, like almost double, 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 which is in like the, uh, someone knocking at the door, somebody ringing a bell. Do me a favor, open the door, and let them in. I kind of got that feel a little bit in New Wings. I was going after that that Wings sound, so that's why it was called New Wings. The origins were, I'm feeling this Paul McCartney, mid-70s, happy radio vibe, and just started laying down some simple, you know, the, the, the verses mainly stays in A major. Feeling, I was feeling just that. I think it was really nice out. This song has the head bob quality. I, I hit space bar or whatever, and I'm as soon as it starts, I'm instantly moving. Even if it's very small and unnoticeable, it's got this... I have a physical reaction to it. And that, I don't know if it's always been a goal, but there's consciously over the years, there's been attempts to write songs and just going for that vibe of I'm looking for something that's going to make people move because we're in the live music business, right? It's hard to do because we're not really a, a dance band, you know? Uh, we play a lot of dance music. The more that we try and write, I think that is kind of an unspoken goal of if it's going to make us move, then it's going to make people move. If it's gonna make, if it's gonna move us, then we're gonna believe in it. So we're gonna play it with a little more, uh, what's the word? A little more umph. I, I took a walk and I was listening to it, and then I, as soon as it was over, I listened to it again, and I was still excited to hear it, which is a very rare quality in a song, especially one that I'm a part of. <laughs> this is a one of the songs that Umphreys does that. I now will put to the top of my, if I was playing a, a Spotify list or something for a group of friends that have never heard or my neighbors or something, 
that they're like, oh, come on, let's hear the band. Uh, okay. I would put this one on probably in the top, you know, five as far as accessibility, but also just, I think there's a universal kind of, maybe it's that pulse, the driving beat, it's just whether or not you like jam band music or rock and roll, there's something pleasing about this sonically that just, I think, most everyone can understand, and that's the intangible vibe. There's a weird accent that's like all downbeats except the, the last one in the eighth. So it's like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and two, three, so it makes it swing over two bars of four so that's kind of one thing that kind of like puts it into a cool feel is that right before the, the sequence of the measure turns around it's got this push one and a two and a three and a four and a why i like certain songs is because there's like a, a feel to them you know as we discussed in the previous episode Jake's songwriting process begins on his drives from South Bend, Indiana, to Niles, Michigan. Considering the music of his heroes, he immediately begins work crafting a song intentionally. From there, he sends out a near-completed demo to his bandmates. In the case of New Wings, he left the lyrical input to Brendan Bayless. There's a different kind of pressure when you're collaborating because, for me, I guess it's, I don't know if it's Catholic guilt. I don't, I, I don't want to take a good thing and then shit on it and, and make it, you know, not as good as it was when it was given to me. My goal is always to say, okay, give me something and I can hand you back something that is a little better or at least, you know, not taken away from it. So I guess there's a, there's a little bit more nerves in a different way because when it's just me, I always ultimately have the choice to, to be like, eh, this isn't good. I don't have to show it to anyone. When someone sends me something and I have to send something back, there's the feeling of I don't want to disappoint them. I also, sometimes it's quick and easy, and sometimes Jake has sent me stuff that I didn't even get to finish until maybe two or three years later. You know, that's just the way things work in my head, and sometimes if it's not there, it's not there, so... I don't want someone to think that, you know, I, I don't like it. So I'm not just working on it. It's, it's, I'm still throwing shit at the wall and still trying to see what sticks. And it's crazy. Like this one, I knew it was going to be good, but it took me a while because it was kind of a lot to live up to. I know it's always harder than it seems to. And if it's all the same, then I believe you. I'm not too far off from what you expected I'm what you are, just a little bit more protected Yeah, we found our roles pretty well over the years, like where we really fit in the, in the uh, atmosphere of Humphrey's, you know, inst- like the in- instrumental atmosphere. You know, I, I tend to play that role of a, of, a, of a sax player, you know, someone up high. And I'm always playing in an odd meter. Yeah, 
So as the band's playing in four, I'll be playing in a seven or a five. So it gets that like Genesis quality, a little progressiveness, you know. And then Bayless will play like more of a chord chordal thing, you know. create these layers so we don't step on each other's toes. I'll take the high road, he takes the low road, and then Joel's playing these nice chords. You know what I'm saying? So and then and then Andy and, and Chris get in there. So then we, we, we got a groove going. And then Bayless takes it home, makes up a nice, beautiful melody to go over the top, sprinkle, sprinkle in the dust, the Bayless dust. <laughs> so it's funny because initially my first pass of the vocals were, I don't know where we were pandemic-wise. We recorded the track, the drums and the bass, the basic track of it when we were doing the wrapped in around streams so the the room was a, is a warehouse and you can get you get the feel of big open ceiling and I, I remember when we were recording it we did something uh, as like a promo shot and we just vamped the top of it for two minutes and the web cameras were kind of getting overhead shots of everybody and I just remember when we were doing that it already felt good and it already felt kind of like we knew how to play it already. I knew right away that this is going to be good live because we just basically just tried it and already had it. Bayless's first pass at the lyrics on the record were caught up in the mid to late 2020 malaise so many of us felt. As we discussed in episode one, I don't know what I want. The experience of the early pandemic had a profound impact on his songwriting. As he reevaluated his initial drafts of new wings, he saw potential in looking beyond his immediate sentiments. Maybe I'm a negative person. <laughs> Maybe I've had enough. Um, but this is also during COVID. You know, so there's a lot of just COVID frustration, pent-up frustration, not, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen in the future. So I, the first vocal pass... There are, there's a lyric about maybe I'm jaded, which we took out. And I remember writing jaded and thinking, oh, that's cool. It's just, it's cool. It's not, you say it, faded, lated, plated, ooh, jaded. Ooh, I like, it, it, it initially was just in a pile of rhymes. I was like, I've never used that word. Let's use that word. And then you build around it and jaded by definition is not positive. It'd be interesting to kind of A, B and listen to the original and then, here where it landed because it's it's much more positive I th i'm glad it landed that way at the time i was kind of i was jaded <laughs> so i couldn't i couldn't think of it any other way i guess when you put something down on paper and you listen to it 55 times it becomes kind of ingrained so that's the that's the way it is so then to undo something it, it becomes more challenging it landed in the right place because i think lyrically it's more it's more positive this is only just a microphone Can anybody say what they really want? 
there was anger that <laughs> that maybe was just frustration of the times of COVID. So now looking at it, the very small changes of a word here make a significant difference in the overall vibe. One line that I didn't use was save me from save from saving and I'm glad we didn't use that because that just sounds desperately sad. <laughs> and if we're falling back in time Crawling back inside Talking circles Just like we've rehearsed a thousand times The name of this podcast is Talking Circles, right? And the line is from this song, Talk, Talking Circles. And the original I had was Talking in Circles. And I just didn't think it sounded cool or sang as well. And then I remember saying, okay, try Talking Circles. I'm glad it landed where it did, but that that's an example of something was too busy talking in circles, and I ended up just pulling in out, so talking circles, which now I think sounds way cooler. As with each song on Asking for a Friend, the next step is figuring out how it will evolve into a live performance. Where there have been questions from various band members around the place that earlier singles would fit into the band's live set lists, both Sinninger and Bayliss are eager to get new wings onto the stage as soon as possible. I'm looking forward to seeing how we can segue in and out of it because it's so open-ended on the beginning and the end that it seems like we could throw it pretty easily anywhere. I, I, I hear like... Again, that Pink Floyd, but like major jam. Like climbing, you know, I can hear like just taking off at the end and then just ending. You know, and then it's just, just right out. Just like that major, I love the major key. Yeah, it's 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 like going to heaven, man. We're we're to going to rock and roll heaven. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to that first, not even the first. I'm looking forward to maybe a hundred times in when people are really familiar with it, and once they've heard it enough that they like it as much as I do. I'm looking forward to the the hundredth performance of it. Oh man, just kick back, enjoy it with the nice, you know, Arnold Palmer. In the sun, it's it's got that like go outside and, and get some sunshine and turn it up really loud. <laughs> that's the that's the remedy. On the next episode of Talking Circles, we'll start diving into the rest of the album. See you then. Talking Circles is a production of Osiris Media and Humphreys McGee. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Written and produced by Brian Brinkman, RJB, and Kevin Browning. All interviews and audio used with permission from Humphreys McGee. 
Osiris.